0: What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules, a person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as
1: enigmatic, meaning mysterious, or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood.
0: God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, through For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts... your thoughts. Yet even though he is
1: enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to God be crazy. Today on the podcast, we are talking about discernment. We are unpacking this topic. So, um, we're just going to start with a definition. We're going to start basic, and then we'll get deeper and deeper. How about that? Um, so the ability- Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. We, we dive real deep, real fast on this podcast, so we'll just inch y'all into the pool. How about that? Um, so baseline definition of discernment is just the ability to see and judge well. But because this is God be crazy, we're talking about God. We're talking about like not just seeing and judging well by the world's standards, but Mm -hmm. by God's standards. Um, Similar to the way God would perceive a situation or God would perceive a person. Um, So I kind of think of it like um, having God's eyes in a situation. A prayer that I've prayed for many years is to have this kind of discernment is like, God, just give me your eyes. So I can perceive the way you would perceive. And of course, nobody does this perfectly. Like, I wish I could. This is what we aim to do. But because I'm human, I can't get that 100% of the time because I have too much of my human self that's also in here. Mm-hmm. But that's, my, that's, that's what, how I perceive discernment, is the ability to see as close as possible to the way the Lord would assess a situation or a person.
0: That's I mean that's similar to the the way I'm gonna word it. It may be a little more wordy, but I think of it like the instinctive ability to recognize those little differences, those subtle differences between what's good and by good I'm talking about what's aligned with God's purpose and plan mm-hmm. and what is bad or what's working against his purpose and plan. And based on that, provide a knowledge about how to act on or implement the things that we perceive.
1: Right. Cause it really is two different things. There's one, the, be, the ability to discern that good and evil, you know, right. And then what do you do with that information? Exactly. And
0: so I, I like first um, Corinthians two, Uh, 12 through 16 to kind of get an overview of understanding this. So I'm going to just go ahead and read that from the NIV. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit taught words. A person without the spirit does not accept the things that have come from the spirit of God. But considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. So basically, what's that saying is to have effective discernment, we have to rely on our ability to clearly receive input from the Holy Spirit, by sifting through all the layers of confusion to perceive accurately what God is trying to tell us. Because ultimately, he's the source of our wisdom and discernment. Mm -hmm. True discernment will help you to distinguish between not just what is right and wrong, or good or bad, but what is right and almost right. Yes. So you might be wondering exactly how do you put these things into practical application? This whole discernment, you know what it is now, but how do you actually use it? Good news, we're going to share that with you. We have a few things that have helped us, and mm-hmm. we want to share it with you. Yeah. So, I think first and foremost, it's super important that we learn to discern God's voice and will from our own. Right. There's, and
1: there's no perfect discerner as we understand, but we are to strive for that. We are to strive to silence our own voice and opinions about a situation and kind of filter through our own feelings and thoughts Mm -hmm. and beliefs and ask, what is God's viewpoint, uh, uh, God's assessment of this situation? What would he have me do? How would he have me think? Um, so before we get started, I mean, you have to kind of check your heart and ask yourself, do you really want to know, uh, what God's will is or what God's, uh, take is in this situation or do you not? Because I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, there's part of us that doesn't, you know, we'd like, we feel really strong feelings, you know, and we have really strong perspectives. And so um, you have to ask yourself, do I really want to know, am I really willing to change what I might believe to adopt
0: His? Okay, so you're kind of going into step one. Yeah. Take an honest inventory of ourselves and where we are in our faith journey. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Do you have a relationship with God or have you been just showing up and checking boxes, you know, to church religious events, etc.? But do you have a true desire for connection with him, to know the person of God, who he is, his character? And are you willing to submit to his will? Like if you if he if you hear from the Lord, do you wanna would you be willing to submit to whatever it is you hear? Um, yeah, so that's number one. Number two, it's really important You cannot discern the voice of God or the will of God if you do not get alone with God. It is essential. We have to silence other human voices that may be influencing us.
0: Yes, it's important to pay attention to the way that God speaks to you individually. You know, not everyone hears from God the same way. Mm -hmm. And if you're unsure about that, the best way to figure it out is to get alone with God and listen. Mm -hmm. Number three get in the word. Yes, get biblical knowledge. We um we have to
1: we have to pray for direction if you don't know how to navigate the Bible cuz it can be difficult to navigate. Um what what I do and I've mentioned this before is that you can pray for direction during your study time with God if you don't know where to go um or you can also ask, you know, there are Thankfully, Google really helps in this department if you are reading something you don't understand. However, be cautious because obviously there are also a lot of commentaries and opinions out there. But sometimes I just open my Bible and say, God, I don't know what you want to do or where you want me to go, but just open it up. Number four is to develop a consistent prayer routine. Um, So prayer is um, not necessarily something that you just say at meal times or bedtimes or things but i like to think of it like an active open line of communication that's always running i'm always talking to god all throughout my day it it's like a conscious inclusion of god in my inner thoughts and feelings just throughout my mundane routine and i would encourage y'all to to adopt the same just keep those keep that conversation going
0: so in review we have Steps one through four, take an honest inventory of ourselves and our faith journey, get Mm -hmm. alone with God, Mm -hmm. get in the word of God and develop a consistent prayer life. When we practically apply these steps to our everyday lives, we are able to cultivate the competency to discern the big things. It takes practice to adequately discern the will of God. This reminds me of the story of the prophet Micaiah. Um, Micaiah was given the gift of discernment and a little bit of backstory on that. Um, It's in first Kings chapter 22. And I think it's like the whole chapter, like one through 40. Mm -hmm. Um, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah and Ahab, the king of Israel and King Ahab had 400 prophets. And these 400 prophets were deceived by a lying spirit. And King Ahab was wanting Jehoshaphat to go to war with him at Ramoth Gilead, and Jehoshaphat was like, yeah, that sounds good, but what do the prophets say? And King Ahab was like, oh yeah, well, they say we're good to go, like we're gonna win. And so he's like, well, don't you have a prophet of the Lord somewhere around here in your city? And he's like, yeah, I do, but every time I call upon him, he gives me crap advice. <laughs> like, basically he's what he's the saying is he gives news. him bad news, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's not what he wants to hear. It's, right. it's against his will. Right, And so Jehoshaphat was like, yeah, well, let's, uh, can you send somebody to get him? Because I want to ask his opinion. And he's like, okay, I'll send somebody to go get him. And so he sends this poor dude to go get him. And when he gets there, the dude tries to convince him, hey, man, listen, when you get there, I'm going to need you to say that. The Lord says everything's good. And he says, whoa, bro. Like <laughs> the only thing I can do is say what God tells me. I mm-hmm. have to say whatever he says, to, says for me to say. Mm-hmm. And so the guy's like, yeah, well, whatever. Come on. I got to take you back to the kings. And so my, enter Micaiah. And so I do want to say one thing. I'm going to read part of the scriptures. And uh, I think verse it's first Kings 22. I'm going to read verse 10 through 24. And before I do that, I just want to make mention of a couple things. Um, I'm going to read through the NIV version. If you're reading through KJV or um, KJV In KJV. Um, they're going to have different names of cities, so in this version, they're going to I might say Aram. If I do that equals Syria, and if I say Arameans or Arameans, I mean, that's mm-hmm. Syrians. So it's the same um, geographical area, and this it's the same people that are referenced, just the different versions relate to them differently. And I may interchange them. So if you catch that and you're wondering what's up, that's what it is. Okay, so again, 1 Kings 22, I'm going to start with verse 10. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel, who is Ahab, and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenanah, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says, With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing, attack Ramath-Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, "Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably." But Micaiah said, "As surely as the Lord lives, I can only I can tell him only what the Lord tells me." When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth-Gilead or not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it unto the king's hand. The king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, only bad? Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing around him, on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth-Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. I just want to pa- take a pause for a second here and make mention of something. Um, you heard that correctly. The Bible says, and the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth- Ramoth-Gilead and going to his death there? The Lord, <laughs> the Lord is looking for somebody mm-hmm. to jack with this guy. There's a reason. Mm-hmm. And so I listen to this carefully because it's important. Yeah. Finally, a spirit came forward. In, in the King James Version, I believe it says a lying spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means? The Lord asked. I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. Mm. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go when He went from me to speak to you? He asked. Okay, so I know that was a long bit of scripture and a lot to go into, but I just have to say it is so important that whenever we study these scriptures, we remember that the Lord is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Mm-hmm. He is not above using the enemy to tempt us, to tell us things to to make his as long as it makes his will go forth, he he will do that and he will use it. This particular scripture is very clear. He had yeah. 400 prophets that were King Ahab's prophets. They were paid prophets. I don't really know how much credibility that gives them for back in the day because I'm no Bible scholar. Yeah. But They were hearing from the Lord. I know they were because the deceiving spirit that they heard from was sent by the Lord. Yeah. So they were allowed to be confused. Yeah. And told the wrong thing. Yeah. Micaiah comes forth to tell him the true prophecy, but not before he takes a little jab at him and is like, oh, go ahead and do it. You'll be victorious. And he's like sarcasm. Bro, you <laughs> are lying to me. How many times <laughs> do I got to tell you? You need to tell me the truth. Yeah. And so he does. He tells the truth. <clears throat> and it makes the head prophet of this these 400, the head of them, Zedekiah, it makes him mad. So he walks up and Smacks him in the face and is like, which way did the spirit of the Lord go mm-hmm. when he went for me to tell you that? So basically, like, he told me this and you that like, mm-hmm. you're calling me a liar. So he's throwing fist at this guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I just want to say. 400 prophets. Were deceived. There was only there was 401 men there claiming to be prophets and 400 of them said one thing every one of them in agreement yeah i, I don't know about you but <laughs> i can't get okay we just had thanksgiving right i can't get five members of my family to be in agreement about who can bring <laughs> the chicken or the turkey to thanksgiving how they get four hundred prophets to agree to what God said? Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, I'm just saying. I know you sniff out.
1: You're suspicious I, at that. You're yeah, like, something's amiss. And that was my if first. Many people agree. That
0: was my first thought when I read this chapter. Before I even got to the fact that, um Micaiah was going to come in here and drop a bomb on them. Mm-hmm. Before I even got to that, I'm like, whoa! What do you mean four hundred? people agreed. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Who's leading these people? Where are they at? I want to see them. How yeah. hey, you agree? Yeah. Anyway, especially I just especially
1: th- for today's world, I, it kind of yeah. blows our mind. You know,
0: I just think it's interesting that four hundred of those prophets stood against Micaiah. and the here one. he stands. He has a word from God, and he told he told that guy that came and wrangled him up. He said, "Now mm-hmm. listen, I can only say what God tells me to say." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. That is some
1: power right there to stand against four hundred people saying the opposite thing.
0: Well, and it to me it's it's more about and more I don't know if I'd use the word power. I think well, it's I he think, think it he is, is. <laughs> well he knows who he is, but there the power go. isn't in him. Like he right. he trusts. He has enough faith to know mm-hmm. that what God told him is gonna go forth. Mm-hmm. And he's not worried that there's four hundred people there. About to throw throw fists with him because he says different than they do. And they literally, literally do. They smack him in the face. Mm-hmm. Punches him in the face. And then on top of that, I'm mm-hmm. not reading this part. You can go and read the chapter for yourself. But on top of that, they throw his butt in jail. The king's like, mm, put him in jail and don't release him till I get back from mm-hmm. this battle. Because if I get back... I'm gonna show y'all he's wrong. He's gonna be in jail for being alive. And not just thrown in jail, but they barely feed him. Oh give, yeah. <laughs> they give him the minimum. <laughs> give him the bare minimum to keep him alive. <clears throat> and then the and then they go in battle. You wanna continue <clears throat> there? So they go they go ahead and go to b- battle. They all go to Ramoth Gilead. King Ahab obviously dies because Micaiah is the true prophet of God and told him that that's what would happen. And it was the Lord's will that his prophets be deceived. It said, the Lord has decreed disaster for you. So he put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all of your prophets. The Lord led you astray, allowed you to be led astray. I'm just saying, how many times as we as Christians, how many times have we been told that if you're a believer, you can't be tormented by demons. You can't be. A, you can't be um, misdirected by them. You know what I mean? Like you have all the power. And I just want to say, if you're in line with the will of God, I believe that to be true. But somewhere along the way, I don't know the whole details, and I don't know exactly what happened leading up to all of this, or. I don't know what Ahab did. You know, all I know is he stepped out of the will of God somewhere to the point that the Lord was willing to allow him to be led astray by his prophets. Mm -hmm. The Lord said, I'm going to send a lying spirit. And y'all, this isn't the first time that God sent spirits to mess with folks, even his own folks. He sent an evil spirit to Saul to torment him. Um, he spent, he sent, um, an evil spirit t- or he had an evil spirit torment Ananias and Sapphira. And I think even speak through them, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he said they were overcome. Like, I yeah. Paul call them out and say they were overcome with an evil spirit, an evil and- spirit. So mm-hmm. they were like taken over mm-hmm. by an evil spirit that mm-hmm. Ananias and Sapphira saw like all these people have been, have been sent evil spirits to torment them job job was a a good godly righteous man right and what happened mhm have you tried my spirit, my servant job offered him up <clears throat> he offered him up because god knew that job's answer would be the same i just think it's it's so important that we take note Of this. And I'm Mm -hmm. certain that there are things in your lives, as are in ours, that have come up that everyone around was going, That's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. Don't quit that job. Don't move to that city. What about this? What about this? But in your heart, you felt, You know, God's leading me here. I'll share a small story for myself. When I was 21 years old, I felt like God was calling me to move to Idaho. I didn't know, but a handful of people in Idaho. And I felt like that's what he was telling me to do. I didn't have the money to go do that, but I I went and I went for a reason. God was teaching me things Mm -hmm. and he worked it all out. I never had to worry for anything the whole time I was there, but so many people were like, you're crazy. You're gonna drive across country, live somewhere you don't know anyone. And, And do these things because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do? What God's calling you to do? It was exactly what God was calling me to do in that moment. You know, and there are going to be times in our lives Mm -hmm. when people come against us. And the question is, are we going to be swayed? Because there's 400 prophets there. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is like, oh, God told me I have this. I have the spirit. Mm-hmm. of and discernment it, and
1: it may not look like obviously i don't have 400 prophets advising right? <laughs> me today
0: and i don't know
1: of anyone off hand that does yeah me so either. i i kind of think like what does that look like today it might be like three or four of your close friends five or six of your close friends and so um you know whenever we're contemplating When we're at a crossroads and we have to make hard decisions, even sometimes whenever the decision may not be massive, but especially whenever there's a a key decision to make in our life that's going to impact our life in such a big way, um, we 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 look to the counsel of the people around us.
0: Yeah, and you know, if you if you have a discerning spirit, you will be able to distinguish between. God's voice, your voice, other people's voice, you'll know the Spirit when you encounter them. The fruits of the Spirit will be present, and God will give you that. He's going to talk to you, and if you take all your stuff to Him, He He will tell you. Mm-hmm. You will not have to wonder.
1: Yeah, you have to really be seeking. You have to, it, You, th- like we said before, those steps are really important, um, but if people contradict what you're hearing from God directly someone's wrong you know it might be them it might be you you have to discern that we have to be willing to wait right. timing is also really important and um jesus told us that we would need discernment to be able to perceive the true character of people the true situations the the source of things going on in our life and so for me um this showed up in my life in key ways. I was trying to discern what <clears throat> God was leading me to as I was recognizing what he was revealing in my in my relationship with my ex-husband when we were married there were things that he in his perfect timing was revealing to me in supernatural and natural ways like the Lord was leading me to go look in places like I would get an idea in my head like go look here. Go search this. And I'm like, "What?" And I would go search that and find something that would, like sent me to the moon uh, in shock <laughs> about what I was seeing. And so incrementally, he was exposing me um, to the truth about what was going on in my marriage. Mm-hmm. And as I was revealing this, it was shocking to me. It was it, it flipped what I thought I had. I mean, I had some hints, to be quite honest, I, it wasn't a complete um shock but it was the degree and the longevity and the intensity of the things i was that were being revealed to me was shocking and it was very hard to process but i i knew for sure because it was so obvious he would tell me these specific things to ask and specific things to go search out and whenever i would search them out and i would hit a jackpot i would go <laughs> Okay, well, what am I going to do with this information? And I would cry out to him. And he told me very specifically in that, in those trials and in those traumatic events come to me, like cry out to me. I would cry out to my ex-husband in pain and get nothing. I mean, he was stone cold, was not, was, would not respond. And so I would cry out to God and go, what do you? I remember just many
0: times going, what do you want me to do with this information? What am I supposed to do? I, I want to remind you of something. Um, in the midst of that is when also you got hesed.
1: Yes. Like I was told to. So you're going to have to go back through the. If you have not heard this, you he can
0: sum it up formally. Yeah.
1: So Hesed is God's love on us. It is a word that we unpack in another episode, the Strum in My Pain with His Fingers episode. So go back and listen to that. Um, We won't unpack that totally here. So, but that is God's love on us. It, it does not happen human to human, but the Lord was prompting me to show love to him, even though he was exposing the truth
0: about him. Well, we're supposed to be modeling after that type of love yes. here on earth. And yes. we we fall short. We're we incapable of that, but that is our goal. We are supposed to be loving people the way that Christ loves us and mm-hmm. Christ has loves us. Yes. And that kind of love is not, is just not something that is Easy to do. It's right. not something that <clears throat> if God ever puts you on the spot and gives you a specific person to Hesed, you'll see the you'll see the complexity of that. That's mm-hmm. not a
1: simple task. No, it was it was incredibly hard to do. It was God was working on me. Mm-hmm. He was working on the situation. There were so many complex things God was doing. And just like the story. In First Kings 22, we don't exactly know why God did this and what was up with that. We don't have, all, we don't the have all the details of that. But all we know is that He does do it, and we can trust that there is a purpose that is beyond because no one understands the thoughts in the mind of God all the right. time. Like, we, we know we're told that, but we know that He did do it. And I know that specifically in my own life, um, whenever I was discerning this, I heard from the word, I heard from the Lord very specifically that I was to divorce. I was to chesed him. I was to pursue him and love him or um, receive love from him. Wow. And then uh, then he cut that off and said, okay, now we're doing something different and told mm-hmm. me very specifically, gave me an exit strategy and told me to follow it. And whenever I first got that word, and this is really something I've only shared, I think, with you, it was devastating to hear that because I'm a marriage therapist. We don't quit. <laughs> like I have a no quit attitude about a lot of things. But I was told to 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 divorce. I'm like, for real, like for real, you know, like part of me was exhausted and was relieved. And then the other part was like, but I don't quit things. You know, I especially don't quit on relationships that I've committed to and vows I've made. But whenever I got this word, I was one thousand percent sure this was the word. And it was contradicted <clears throat> by
0: people I consulted. Well, not only I just wanted to say one thing before you go into that, mm-hmm. Um You were saying you're a marriage therapist and you don't quit on things. But not only that, you were raised to believe that divorce is is wrong. Right.
1: Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready Set Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality.
0: Like you, And you I think don't... it's important to say mm-hmm. that and to talk a little bit, I mean, to piece that in a little mm-hmm. because... Yeah, that motivates too. Your front, your thinking. Mm-hmm. And I'm,
1: I, I've grown up in a family where you honor your vows. Like that's just even even I had already decided in my head, even if this situation did come to pass, I would still fight. You know, that's what I thought. You know, you always think you'll do something until you hit that spot while you're in it. <laughs> it's a little bit different. And bottom line, it doesn't matter what I wanted. Right. The Lord was telling me, even if he was, to, what, if he told me to stay, I would have stayed because I know that I heard from him. Right. But the problem is I knew he also informed me because he's awesome. Um, whenever he told me that I was to divorce, he also gave, me a little peek into this won't just be a loss of this relationship. I'm about to like clean the slate of your life. And I was like, no one will understand this. And I was sobbing. I just remember sobbing and being like, people are going to think I'm crazy. Like this is, people are not going to understand why I have to do this or what you're saying. And so incrementally, I would tell friends, Um, I told my family And um, what my plan was or what I was going to do, um, I told my ex-husband first, um, but I knew that um, it was very likely that he would be talking to other people to persuade me to stay. And that exact thing happened. And um, I had in the in the wake of this, I had several people um, tell me. I had people say, you can't do that. You're not honoring your vows. Um, God hates divorce. It is detestable to him. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Like, isn't a lot of other things are detestable to him that are happening in this marriage? Is that not also detestable? But um, I had one particular long-term friend... asked to meet with me. And I had had a long day. And so I, I mean, like probably eight hours, nine hours of clients in the middle of all this stuff going on. And I said, No, I just I can't meet. I'm exhausted. And so instead of just respecting that I need a break, and I'm also going through like, a very difficult time. Um, she sent me a, a, a video message, which was essentially telling me that I was off track and that um, I she had the spirit in her and she had counted on other discerning people who are Holy Spirit led. And this is what they've told me. And this is basically, essentially, the main idea was you are off track. And you need to come back. And basically, you can't divorce your husband. You should not be divorcing him. You made a vow. This is detestable. And it was spoken with such
0: um, it, not love. It did not come off in a even loving top, way at I just all. I to say, to add on, because I do know this story, even on top of that, she went on to say that your future would be... Calamity, essentially. Yes, and that it would rest on the graves of your marriage and your kids' future. Yeah,
1: specifically.
0: That the that the thing, the, the mission that the Lord has put on
1: my heart, and I already knew this at the time, and I had shared parts of it with her— and she said, not only will that not come to fruition, but basically it will never even exist because the decision you're making right now will ruin your life and ruin your children's lives. It was so intense, and I just I sobbed in my car and, and for a long time hearing that essentially the the calling on my life I was going to have to just walk away. I knew at that point I was just going to have to walk away from people that I had done life with for a long time because the Lord was saying, who are you going to choose? Are you going to walk my way? Are you going to do what I said even when these people who honestly I know this person has a relationship with the Lord. At least that's what I believed you know, that's what I've seen before. And so they're advising me very strongly, intensely, that I should not be doing what I'm doing. And so I knew then I was like, well, these relationships have to end. Like for me to follow in the obedience of Christ and what He is calling me to do, I am gonna have to walk away from so many things. And I did. I've, I, I didn't. He was correct. He was preparing me about six months before this happened. I got this knowing that something big was coming and did not know what it was. And he was correct in those still moments with the Lord. He had, had shared with me that there would not just be a little bit of grief, but I'm about, uh, it's about
0: to be a, a lot of losses. But going back to the discernment part of it, I, I just want you to talk a little bit about what it was like for you, because God had told you something and you already knew that. Yes. So I had known it and I told him
1: when he told me this, I mean, it was like, (laughs) there was a lot of personal resistance because of my own values. Like you talked about, like you mentioned before, like I, my practice, you know, I fight for couples, relationships with them. I'm in the trenches of those situations with people. And I'm just gonna not, do the years of counseling like a lot of you know, no, he was like, You're not gonna go sit on the couch with someone for another two years and work this out. And the particular issue that was uncovered, um, we recommend whenever there's a disclosure or a discovery in this situation, we all, I always advise my clients, stay a year, <clears throat> stay at least a year, at least do a ther- one year of therapy, just devote that, and then don't make any decisions for a year. Well, the Lord had already told me to make decisions. So I even had my colleagues who I know love me, but they were like, oh, this isn't what we recommend. I'm like, I know it is not what we recommend. And I had one colleague who I I, I love, but, you know, he didn't get the word that I got. He just said, you know, just stay and give this a real chance. And I was like, whoa, bro, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, a
1: real real chance has been (laughs) has been granted thousands of times, honey. Well,
0: and that's something I just I just want to throw this out there. I have always been a firm believer that no one knows what goes on in a marriage except for the people that are in the marriage. Preach it. And God. Preach. And that's it. And they don't know how long you were fighting for your marriage. No one knows that. Yeah. And people make assumptions because that's what we do. We're human. Mm -hmm. Then they make judgments. And then... They make poor decisions with those judgments and assumptions that they've made. Yeah. In your case, it worked out because God was showing you who was going to be able to stand with you Mm -hmm. in the future things that he has planned for you and who you needed to just let go of. And sometimes people are in our lives for a season. And in that season, we love them and we have a good time with them and we grow with them. But sometimes we're called to do something different and move Mm -hmm. to a different season in our life. And when that happens, Mm -hmm. sometimes we part ways with people. And, you know, something that just I have to say this because God has really put it on my heart. If you truly have the gift of discernment or feel that God has told you to tell someone something, I implore you. Get on your face multiple times. That's just like when I, we brought up Hesed a second mm-hmm. ago. So I'm going to say this: when we when we were talking about Hesed, God was telling me to give you a word about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I was like, "She's a marriage therapist. She's she doesn't need me to tell her how to love her husband or what to do." This is mm-hmm. crazy. And on top of that, one way I knew that it was God and not me is I would never do that. I would never give someone relationship advice Mm -hmm. ever because I have always believed that that is literally between them. Now, my friends will talk to me about relationship or we may talk about things, but I I listen. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do to support. I listen when they have a problem with things and usually I'll pray about it for them and with them. And unless God gives me a specific word to give somebody, my opinion doesn't matter because I'm not sleeping in that bed and I'm not living in that household. And so if God gives you something to tell someone, I just, I'm saying this because somebody has to say it. You should not be calling people out unless you can do that in an edifying and helpful way. The gift, Of discernment is more than just being able to know the difference in right and wrong, perceived right and wrong, because we all have different perceptions of things. But we, part of discernment is understanding God's will. Well, part of knowing God's will is being in the Word of God. Mm -hmm. If you're studied up, if you're in the scripture and you have an active active prayer life and you are in line with God and he's asking you to tell somebody something, you should most definitely do that. But I suggest that you take that to him and you make dang sure that that's what he wants Mm -hmm. because it's so important that what you're hearing and seeing from God is the truth and knowing when to correct someone and when to just walk away and give it to God to do is so important. It isn't always our place to correct. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just recognize the wrong. We take note of it. We check our motives. But if God wants us to correct someone, he will tell us how to go about that. Mm -hmm. But you cannot do that with a confrontational, hateful spirit. We're called to confront with kindness. Kindness. And in his timing. And timing is so important. <laughs> yes. So important. Yes. And I just want to, this scripture in Proverbs, Proverbs twelve eighteen says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the words of the wise bring healing. Mm-hmm. When you're talking to someone <clears throat> and God has placed it on your heart to do that, there's a time and a place for your words and how you say them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we have to be careful that they absolutely need to be said
1: Mm -hmm. because the Spirit of God can work without your mouth opening. Absolutely. He, you know, there are people that have said things to me who I've, that, I have told them we're hurtful and we've maintained relationship. And I've asked them, hey, if God ever prompts you again, or you really feel like you're getting something from the Spirit, I need you to know that although I love you, you are also a person who I don't know that I can hear things from because of the manner in which you deliver things to me. So I am going to ask you that if you feel you've really gotten a word from the Lord for me, I need you to pray on that and pray and pray and pray. And actually, I want you to ask him specifically that he'll send it to somebody else. <laughs> I mean, like, and if he absolutely tells you to tell me, then I want you to tell me. But I also am asking, like, you have no idea how much I am discern I am in in the word and also pursuing him and I know he has the ability and the power and the might to give that message yes. to me if he wants me to get it cuz I'm certainly reaching out yes. every day. So if you really feel like Bonnie needs to know this, you know, please go to God and be in prayerful spirit about that for don't don't just go a few days like if it is really that big of a deal he will let me know because he's God. He doesn't, if you decide not to tell me, guess who, there are a lot of other mouths he can get right. to. <laughs> he's and you, got
0: ways. Yes. And having discernment is not the same thing as standing in judgment of someone. They're two different things. Mm-hmm. Obtaining discernment involves trusting God and not relying on our own understanding. When we're asking for discernment, we should be asking for wisdom. And in doing that, we mature in our faith in our understanding of discernment mm-hmm. and what God wants us to do with that discernment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more than just knowing right from wrong. Like we were saying before, it's more than that. It's about distinguishing su- those subtle differences.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even above knowing the difference between what's good and evil or good and bad, even above that, if you have true discernment, You recognize the difference between what is right and what is almost right. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. That is the difference in discernment and just doing the right thing or what you think is right in the situation. Sometimes discernment doesn't come from, is this evil And good, it isn't always that black and white. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a right thing or the better right thing.
1: And we're living in a world of the blurry line, Mm. the gray line we are living in the end times in second Timothy 3 it says that people will have a form of godliness but deny its power being swayed by all kinds of evil desires always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth there will be tons of deceivers out obviously there's the enemy is out always because he has desert, he has dominion here but we are told that there are going to be wolves in sheep's clothing. We are to act as innocent as doves and be as shrewd as snakes. I think the maybe the KJV says harmless as doves and wise as serpents, but that that's in Matthew 10:16. So in Matthew 10:16, Jesus is telling the disciples, "I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. Be on guard against men" They will hand you over to the local um, councils and flog you in their synagogues. Therefore, like be on your guard. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say for it will be rather it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. So, we're told to do that because you said there's a discerning that we need in this specific godlen- godlessness
0: age. Yes. To discern what is right and what and is almost, almost right. right. And that's the other thing. When you are listening to teachers, preachers, us, people, other people who have podcasts or any of the things, when the spirit is on a message, you will know it. And whenever you hear something that either doesn't sound quite right to you, or the spirit inside you makes you go, wait a minute, I hold on. If that happens, you need to take note of that. And you need to go search that out for yourself. Just because your pastor, or friend, or grandpa says that's what it means. You if you get a unction from the Holy Spirit. You better investigate that because it is our job's to discern. The Bible tells us to be careful because we are living in the end times. And because of that, we have to have our head on a swivel. We have to be ready for the possibility of attack from all sides. The gloves are off now. Mm-hmm. The enemy doesn't just come in the form of the enemy. The enemy is coming in the forms of People planted in churches for disruption purposes, period. That
1: you will trust because they are kind. They are, they have, they say the right
0: things. They speak eloquently. Yes. Yes. And talking to them, you're like, oh, well, they might have messed that up, but they meant well. Yes. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. The fact is, you and you alone are responsible for your salvation in your relationship with God. You cannot walk through this life and through this world without the ability to discern. And if you don't have that, then use those tools that we talked about earlier in the podcast. You are capable of having discernment if the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's like any other skill that you have. It's just like... um you you use your therapy talk for a second. What's that kind of listening that they teach therapists to do? Um,
1: well, active listening active listening yes, that's it. what I'm but, talking
0: about, but, but they really teach us to watch every little minute. Well, hang on, I want to have a point oh, okay, okay, with this so with like active listening, for instance, when you are learning the skill of active listening, they teach you little things to pay attention to, little cues that you need to know. However that works. non mostly. Because non
1: tell you what verbals never will.
0: Yes. So when you're learning those things, it may take you a while to pick up on mm-hmm. those as you use them in mm-hmm. your conversations down the road. But eventually, after you've honed that skill, you get very good at it. It's the same way with discernment. Mm-hmm. Once you have dug in and practiced doing these things, you will recognize that. Faster and faster, you hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. You recognize it. You go, "Oh, that's that's my papa," and he said, "You better mm-hmm. pay attention to this, or no man walk away. Mm-hmm. This is a bad place to be, or stay away from that woman, stay away from that man, mm-hmm. or or he puts it in your body. Like I've noticed this mm. over
1: and over with you and with me. We get it in different places, but you call it the whoosh. Yeah, you know, like there's a physical sensation in your whole body." That That's because the Holy
0: Spirit's living in my body and yours. That you know? is correct. That
1: shifts whenever mm-hmm. something is either spoken that is true. There's a physical sensation when something is spoken that is false. There's a physical sensation that, uh, and an energy that moves in your body.
0: And for me, what about for you? I know mm-hmm. for me that whenever, as I hone that, mm-hmm. the more easily it is to notice. Yes. You know, yes. Oh, that's Jesus talking to me, mm-hmm. you know,
1: and I notice it being around you when you get a tone like we're or, or like, oh, Holy Spirit jumped in your mouth, you know, because you have a way of talking whenever you're just being, you know, Christy, my friend, and you have a way of talking where it is a different shift. It is like, I, whoa, the Lord has jumped in your mouth and I need to pay attention. And I, I get a feeling in my body whenever there is like, Alert, alert, pay right. attention. Like I'm talking through her because and also whenever this happens, very often you have like almost amnesia for that event. You're like, <laughs> I can't quite remember what I said because I think that was Holy Spirit. And I get the same thing yeah. whenever I just I'll be in a session and he just jumps in and I just start talking about blah, 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 and I'm like, Oh, I'm not even sure what I said to that person as I'm doing the note. Like, what even happened? I feel like you probably, I don't even know what you said to them. But, you know, he'll jump in and say the things or I'll be with a couple and I just, all of a sudden, things start clicking in my head and things start coming out of my mouth. And I'm like... Oh, that was totally you. That was right? good. You just got it. I know. Y'all can't I can't see that, Y'all cannot. <laughs> y'all cannot see this because obviously it's a podcast. But you just did the yes. Holy Spirit something I have is a, true. shape. Yes, yeah. I,
0: I, I. have a couple of different tales for me. If I hear truth, sometimes I'll get a shiver. Like mm-hmm. a Holy Spirit will just shake my whole body for just a, just a split second, enough mm-hmm. to just jolt me, or. Like you said, the tone in my mm-hmm. voice will change or different things happen, you know. But but if I hear hear truth mm-hmm. or I get a prompting from the spirit, a little nudge, mm-hmm. he will jolt me. And, and so as I
1: was saying that, the Holy Spirit jumps in my mouth, and this is what happens. You poop, your body confirms <laughs> that what's coming out of my mouth is in fact accurately what's happening. And it's y'all, not my words, it's his. That
0: is the benefit of finding people in your life to be in community with, that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, because yeah. you, you want to talk to people. You want your counsel. You take it first to God. But if you take it to someone on earth, you want to take it to someone who is a godly person, who has the Holy Spirit living within them. Yes. You want to seek guidance from those people because of exactly what just happened. It's funny that it happened. Just they can't, like you said, they can't see it, but... You were talking about the truth and discernment, and my body goes, woo because that's the truth, and the spirit in me recognizes it.
1: Yes, and we were talking about earlier that it is so important, like you said, to get not just a Christian counselor. There's a difference. Someone who says they're a Christian, because a lot of people do, uh, especially where we are in the southern region of the U.S., southeast region of the U.S., But many people say, the Bible Belt, yeah. Many people say, I'm a Christian counselor. Well, I know lots of Christian counselors, and they don't incorporate that into their practice at all. What they mean is... I'm a Christian. I believe in God. You may or may not have that evidence whenever we meet together, you know, but I know many Christian counselors who advise people in things that are absolutely contradictory to the word of the Lord. Yes. And there is danger that is fraught. And that is why it's very important that you don't listen to what someone declares over themselves. Yes. This is who I am. Because... There are plenty of people. In fact, there are droves of people that will tell you who they are. And they are actually quite different if you're paying attention. Mm -hmm. And you have, as a believer, when you come to the Lord, He puts His Holy Spirit in you. And you have this, uh, you already receive that gift because He lives inside. Already, something that is a little bit off or is a little bit not right should hit you differently if you truly have given your heart to Him. On top of that,
0: though, it's just like, you have to hone that
1: right, you know totally true, but going going back to this for a second the the Christian counselor thing, you need a holy spirit led therapist, so how do you find that first of all, when you ask someone if it like because I do, if I'm going to someone, I really do want to know where they stand, if someone tells me that they are a Christian, I want to hear. Well, how does that show up in your life? Tell you know? me your testimony. Yeah, tell me That's your testimony. Honestly, if someone wants to ask me, if someone before meeting with me to ensure that I'm the right therapist wants to talk to me, I will talk to you to make sure. I want you to get the good fit. If, if I'm not a good fit, let's get you someone that is. And if someone, the question to ask a therapist, if you really want to know if they're sold out Holy Spirit, ask them about their testimony. Ask them how they know. That God is, re- how do you know? What does what's that your, look like? What's your and, evidence for you? Yeah. How does, how does that show up? And how does that guide you? How does the Holy Spirit guide mm-hmm. you in your practice? Can you answer that? A therapist who is sold out to God and is listening to the Holy Spirit guide that therapist in therapy and gu- ultimately guiding you mm-hmm. in your own life. If they are truly listening to the Holy Spirit in their life, you will know it in your spirit, as words fall out of their yeah. mouth. It will not be hard for them to articulate if they step all over their words or if they're like, you know, they look like you little, you cornered them a little bit. You might want to listen to that and take notes. <laughs> and you may continue to, to stay with them. I've stayed with therapists who I know that are not sold out, but I know they're not sold out. And so I've, and, I've been
0: discerning not, yes. in
1: what they tell me. Exactly. And I edit that and, and filter that.
0: And in discerning, well, you need to be discerning of what anyone tells you. Correct. For that, but in that discerning of what people tell you, you know, and in that knowing ahead of time what you have, you ask the Lord if God led you to, if you really truly feel like God led mm-hmm. you to them, pray and ask, is, is this going to be something where um, my testimony or my witness or my story is going to impact them and potentially? bring them to the Lord. Right. Occasionally, God puts us in, not occasionally for me, it happens all the time to me. God puts, <laughs> I mean, it, it does. God know, puts not, me no. in situations that require me to exercise the gift of discernment while interacting with people that may seem questionable to others. Yeah, kind of like him eating with the tax people. Like, yeah. And everybody over there that's on the religious bench going, what's he doing over there? Who does he think he is over there eating with the tax people? Don't he know who he's sitting with? Mm-hmm. They are the scum of the earth. They've ruined all our lives. How could you sit there? So like, I frequently find myself in situations and I'm like, oh, God's putting me in this situation. And I recognize that he's put me in this situation. Now, what does he want me to do? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's when even more discernment comes into play for me, because now I'm walking in a landmine Mm -hmm. because I'm walking in, I'm surrounding myself with these people who are not Mm -hmm. believers or not practicing believers, mm-hmm. um, but I'm
1: here for a reason, and so you mm-hmm. all the more reason that you need to. The one of the most practical steps to growing discernment is you must get alone with God, you must have and cultivate stillness with Him when you're distracted and busy and preoccupied, and also whenever you first if you have a knee jerk reaction whenever you have a problem in your life and you call somebody up to get their feedback. That can be a dangerous... If it's just an automatic, I call it in my practice, I teach people about how the brain works, and that's like a neural pathway that you wear down. It's a knee jerk. It's a habit. That's how a habit is formed. You have a situation, and you're used to going to this action, and that can be rerouted. We need a new neural pathway, and it can change because the brain changes itself with different choices. When you have a problem, your new neural pathway that needs to form is... Let me go to God.
0: God first, others. Well, s- others I, second. Go ahead. What I wanted to say about you were talking about something um, specific you could do. What was? What is it? Stillness was, with God. cultivating. The stillness cultivating yeah, yeah, to cultivate discernment. One of the things that I want to say right off the bat is that a lack of discernment is is usually accompanied by a lack of biblical knowledge. Correct. You need to be in the Word of God. True. The Word of God teaches you discernment it teaches you how to ask God for wisdom how to ask God for discernment it is chock full of ways that people discern Mm -hmm. examples of things not to do Mm -hmm. are also here it's a great book for that and Hebrews 4.12 says it really well when it says that the the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, that it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit and judges the thoughts and attitudes of heart. I think it says joint, joint joints and, and marrow too.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: but it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and that right there, that's the word of God mm-hmm. that tells you that by reading this word of God, you can also judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, you will be able to discern that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And people tell us now, well-meaning Christians, and you've probably heard this, we are not to judge. Or you've heard people defend, you know, in opposition to Christians saying, well, you're not to judge us, you know, or don't judge those people. But in fact, we are called to confront with kindness those believers among us who are in error or who have gone astray or off track. We're also told that we're given the ability by the Holy Spirit to recognize the fruits of the Spirit or perhaps the lack thereof. Like my body, when I'm in the presence of specific toxic people, um, I can feel in, I, I can. Feel it in the room that my body doesn't like it before my head even knows what to make of it. Like I logically like that person, yeah. I think they're fun or you know nice to be around, but my body doesn't like them. You know, my muscles will be tense. Specifically, my shoulders or my gut just are like, oh, get me out of this room. You know, and I've learned to listen to that for years. I did not. I did not understand it. I had not connected what my thought self thought um, from the spirit self
0: inside of me. You know, that discernment allows us to sift through all the layers of confusion that we have, you know, Mm -hmm. to perceive the distinction accurately. We know that God is the source of our wisdom. He's the source of our discernment. And obtaining that discernment involves a huge trust in God We can't rely solely on our own understanding. We have to have the spirit within us because Mm -hmm. what, you know what I mean? Like it is him living in us. That's what makes it discernment. And he tells us in Proverbs 3,
1: 5 through 6, I believe, trust not in your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. It It is him who makes the path straight. It is him who will let us know. We can't trust our thoughts. We have to defer to him. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God.